0: down there guy
1: hello everybody and welcome back we have been away from the podcast for a few weeks now but we are finally back uh slade has to work tonight uh so to whoever his co-workers are that call it out tonight <laughs> suck a dick um yeah. but so we're missing him hopefully he's having a fun night at work uh hopefully nobody fell off a ladder again from hanging christmas lights um there was a joke i was gonna make about uh, i'm just gonna keep it to myself though. yeah uh, well. we have a we have a lot to get through tonight we have, actually have a a Pretty full show, but we thought was going to be a a pretty calm week in a lot of these areas turned out to be pretty hectic overall. Um, First and foremost, we're going to go ahead and dive into the NHL update for you guys. Uh, We just hit the quarterway mark. We're a little bit past it now. So we're going to go ahead and look at the standings, look at some of the point leaders, goal leaders, uh, who's the best goalies right now, and just some other headlines going around. Uh, Before we get into the standings, uh, not just because I'm a Penguins fan, uh, but just in general, the news came out. uh, It came out Wednesday that Chris Letang suffered a stroke on Monday. This is his second stroke. Uh, so obviously we're wishing a full recovery for him and hope he gets well soon. Uh, I also just realized my shirt does not blend in well with the camera at all. Um, <laughs> terrible segue, but again, we hope he gets well. Uh, I mean, not just because I'm a Penguins fan, he, but he's somebody I've watched growing up and, and falling in love with the sport of hockey. Uh, and we definitely hope, him, hope he has a speedy recovery uh, and can get back on the ice here soon. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into these standings. Uh, So Boston leads the way in the Atlantic series or Atlantic division. One of the hottest starts we have ever seen from a team. Uh, They have set the record NHL record for longest home streak. Uh, I believe that's at like 12 games now. Uh, They have not lost at home. And uh, Toronto has also had a really strong start to the season, sitting there at 35 points as well. Uh, Florida, who we we knew was going to fall off from last year and struggle a little bit has really struggled to get it going here in the earlier part of the season, uh, sitting back there in 24 points. Uh, and they kind of the, the rest of the, the order there in the Atlantic is business as usual. I would say uh, we knew Ottawa would definitely struggle a little bit. I thought they would be better than this, with Drew coming there, uh, but they continue to struggle. Buffalo looks at least a little bit better this year, but again, uh, difficult team to watch up there in Buffalo. And then I don't know if I forget where the newspaper was, uh, but, they were saying, you know, games tonight and stuff. And, of course, the Buffalo Bills are playing the New England Patriots tonight. Uh, and the newspaper said the Buffalo Sabres were playing the Patriots, uh, <laughs> which I'm sure the Sabres would probably go play football instead. <clears throat> uh, over in the Metro Division, I, I feel like the Devils have not gotten talked about enough. Every time I'm watching ESPN or the NHL Network, they're just talking about Boston and how impressive Boston is. This is a New Jersey team that I think is more impressive because I don't think anybody saw this coming from this team at all. I think everybody thought they'd be much improved. They could contend for the playoffs, but here they are. They're tied with Boston atop the standings in the East Division as a whole at 38 points. Uh, Just an outrageous start from them. A lot of fun hockey being played there in New Jersey. It's a lot of fun to watch. It's a lot of fun for them to, of course, be winning after struggling for so many seasons here lately. to even just get wins in the columns on some nights. Uh, The Islanders also having a great bounce back year, uh, sitting second in that division right now. Carolina just beat Pittsburgh on, I believe it was Tuesday night, so rough night for me, but at least I believe Pittsburgh did get a point out of that, uh, so Carolina is keeping pace in the Metro there. Rangers, again, kind of sluggish out the gate uh, with a lot of those losses from the offseason. Uh, the most surprising team out of all this to me is, is Washington and how much they moved on from Ilya Sorkin in the offseason. Uh, Darcy Kemper has come in, and I, I said it to begin with when they made that move. Uh, I, I didn't think Kemper was a better goalie than Sorkin, And here he is, Sorkin's on his new team in Toronto, playing some of the best hockey we've seen. Uh, And and Kemper is continuing to struggle in Washington. Uh, Before we move on to the West, Nick, I just want to get your thoughts here on the East standings.
0: Yeah, so uh, first thing, um, it's good to see Boston continuing that strong start. Uh, This was a team that, you know, we had talked about a little bit previously, hadn't really added much, but also hadn't really lost much. Um, You know, they kept their core group, grouped together I, I forget which one was a marshan that was injured yeah marshawn okay yeah uh, Marchand. yeah sorry um he was injured he's back they're still playing well um toronto's up there but don't worry they'll face a game seven in the playoffs at some point um and yeah as far as that side goes you know uh, other than the start by boston like you said everything's kind of where we thought it would be um florida down there a little bit but you know it, it is what it is it's still early Um, And then over in the Metropolitan, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that New Jersey and New York Islanders would have been at the top of the Metropolitan standings, I would have called you an idiot. Um, And nobody really saw this coming. I mean, the Islanders had a decent team last year, but not great. And New Jersey's kind of been that team, you know, yeah, they're young. um, They have some potential, but they're just not getting there yet. Um, And that young potential has shown up to start the season off. Uh, Great start by them um and everything else kind of falls into place there you know we'll see if if new york and or if the islanders and new jersey can keep this up and stay towards the top of these standings as the season goes on um the biggest surprise for me on on the metropolitan side is columbus uh, we thought with goudreau that they were going to make a huge step this was a team that was one spot out of the playoffs last year and had made a run late um uh, they were a decent amount away but had made a run late um and here they are with only 16 points, you know, a quarter of the way into the season, definitely not where they wanted. Woo! Oh, we might have to censor that out there. I don't know. We can say that, but um, but yeah, 16 points, definitely not where they want to be. Uh, definitely not where I thought they were going to be. Um, so we'll see if they can pick that up as the season goes on.
1: Yeah, uh, I had to change my shirt. It was it was distracting me way too much watching. It's <laughs> just moving the camera. Uh, but yeah, definitely a surprising start. From I mean, like I said, Ottawa and both Columbus, big additions in the offseason. Uh teams that we thought would take steps forward. Uh, I, I really don't know what the point of the finger at with either of those two teams. Uh, I mean, maybe goaltending, but again, at least for, for, you know, you look at Columbus, their goalies getting 30, 40 saves a night. Um, so it, it's, it'll be interesting to see how we watch these teams adjust throughout the season. If any of them can kind of turn this fortune around, uh, we shall wait and see. Uh, we're going to go ahead and look at the West here now. Uh, Dallas leads the way in the Central. Uh, Slade's St. Louis Blues are kind of struggling, but they're right there in the the middle of the pack with Minnesota and Nashville tied at 22 points. Uh, Colorado, they did lose a couple key pieces over the offseason. I thought they would struggle a little bit, and again, it's early. We're only a quarter of the way into the year. Excuse me. Um, And so there's still plenty of time for them to turn around, but it's clear that this is not the same dominant team that they had last year. Uh, Over in the Pacific Division, to me, the surprise of the year, I thought I knew Seattle would be much better this year. I did not have them being second in the division, uh, especially even, you know, again, we're a quarterway into the season. I, I, I thought they'd be middle of the pack this year as a whole. There's still time for them to, you know, gain ground or lose ground as we go. But just to be this high up this early in the season is very surprising and very encouraging uh, to, to see. And again, I, I said this last year, I think Seattle was one of the best run teams last year. They didn't get the results and stuff, but as a first year team, they learned from the mistakes of Vegas, uh, and, and they built a really good team. I think this is going to be a team that's here to last. Uh, especially, I think they still have more footing to get underneath of them, uh, some more of the draft picks to develop. But I think this is going to be a team that is here to stay once they get that core developed, once they get their that youth developed. Uh, and Seattle's going to be a lot of fun to watch for years to come uh, and not so much drama-filled like Vegas is. Uh, obviously, Vegas having a very good year so far this year, leading the Pacific with 35 points. Uh, the surprise here to me is Anaheim struggling as much as they are. Uh, I really thought that their, their rookie core would develop from last year. I thought they would be in contention for the playoffs. And right now it looks like they're in contention for the first overall pick. Uh, they are last place in points with 14 right now. Uh, I believe it took them like 20 games uh, just yeah. to get a win. Uh, obviously not 20, but uh, it, it took a while for them to get some wins along with Vancouver. Uh, but even Vancouver is playing much better now. Um, so, I'll let you talk about your your cracking here a little bit.
0: Yeah. So as far as the cracking go, I mean, I've said this probably every time. Our offense looks great, and it just continues to look better and better. Uh, we just broke the not the record, but set the record for uh, this season as far as most goals in a game with our game we played against Los Angeles. We ended up winning nine to eight in overtime. I had to stop watching before the end of the second quarter. Uh, actually, we had had. The season record for ga- goals in a game, like, I think it was 30 minutes in. Um, and I shortly after that, I couldn't watch it anymore. I was like, I'm literally going to have a heart attack every time somebody scored somebody else or the other team scored. Um, it was nerve-wracking, to say the least. But, yeah, um, you know, the defense has looked good most games. Obviously, no defense was played the other night. Um, but if we can get back on track playing defense, I like where we're sitting. I like where we're at. We have wins against Vegas and Colorado so far this year already. Um and i think 3 and 0 against the kings uh so uh, i'm i'm glad to you know see where we're at i'm not going to say a whole lot I'm not going to get ahead of myself um you know but it, it's good to see uh as far as surprises on this list the is definitely one of them like you said i thought the the youth was going to develop a little better um i i don't know what the number was that it took to get wins but i know it took i think it was 23 games to get their first regulation win um, might've been 22. Um, actually I think it was 22 cause I think they've played like two or three since then. But anyway, um, definitely surprised to see them all the way down there. I thought maybe they'd be middle of the pack as far as the other side of the West goes. Um, yeah, like you said, Colorado lost some pieces. Uh, so they're still up there, but you know, not quite up top. Dallas has had an amazing start to their season. I did not see that coming. I thought they were going to be a playoff team, but, um, Definitely not, you know, sitting at the top of the central as far as that goes. St. Louis, I did update Slade the other night. They did start to pick up some some there, so hopefully Slade will have some good things to talk about uh, the next time we talk about the NHL here with them. Um, and then I think that's pretty much it as far as what sticks out to me. Um, Calgary's down a little farther than what I thought they would be, uh, but again, you know, first quarter. We'll see how things develop uh, come halfway through the season.
1: Yeah, uh, this is a. a... My favorite part of the NHL season is usually this part until we get to the playoffs, just because everything's so competitive. You, you can't invest too much in what's going on with your team right now. Like I said, the Penguins had a really a red hot start, and then they went on a cold stretch for about two weeks. And now they're kind of fluctuating in the middle. Uh, and, and they're, you know, if the playoffs started today, yeah, we'd be in it and so on and so forth. But um, it, it's so much fun because everybody's still so invested in another season. You know, once we get to halfway and later, you know, hey, we're not going to make the playoffs this year, and then you see a lot of teams start scrapping and, and preparing for the next year, and it sucks. I mean, unless your team is going to go play them, and you know, it's a nice win night, but it's not as much fun to watch then unless you know your, your team is in a heated playoff race. Um, so it, it's definitely a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to go ahead real quick and look at uh, the league leaders and points goals, uh, goals allowed average and wins uh, points. No surprise to see Connor McDavid at the top of the league. Uh, he leads the way with 41 points. Jason Robertson, to me, is, is a breakout player so far this year for Dallas. Uh, second in points, first in goals. Uh, he has 36 points right now for Dallas. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, again, the one-two punch for Edmonton with McDavid and Dreisaitl, uh is what carries them as far as they do every year. If they could just get a little bit more help on the defensive side uh, and you know in goal some nights it would definitely help a lot uh, dry also has 36 points Nikita kucherov for tampa bay continues to just play at, at top tier levels like he has for so many years now uh sits there with 35 points and david pasarnock mr pasta himself from boston has 32 points leading the way with goals like what we just mentioned jason robertson from dallas with 19 goals david has 18 bo Horvat who has really been the, the kind of leader for Vancouver to start getting wins in the win column and salvage the early part of the season and give that city and that team some hope that, hey, maybe we can turn this around and, and make some noise in the West here uh, and possibly if if, we, if things fall right, we can make a playoff run. We'll have to wait and see still. Uh, he has 17 goals, Dreisaitl with 15 and Pasternak with 14. Looking at the best goalies in the league, uh, Linus Olmark is the best uh, through and through so far through the early part of the season. Uh, he leads the league in goals a lot average with two. And he also has the most wins at 13. Uh, Ilya Samsonov for Toronto. Um, and I, I, I messed that up earlier. Uh, I said said the wrong name for, for Toronto. But Samsonov for Toronto, uh, 2.09 goals allowed via <laughs> for New Jersey with 2.12 goals allowed, Ilya Sorkin for the Islanders, 2.18 goals allowed, and Connor Hellerbuck uh, for Winnipeg with 2.29, and then wins, like we just said, Olmark with 13, Martin Jones from Seattle with 12, Logan Thompson from Vegas with 12, Hellerbuck with 11, and Vanek with 11 as well. Uh, Nick, your thoughts on that before we move on real quick.
0: Yeah, so uh, the first thing that sticks out to me is Robertson sitting atop with 19 or even McDavid uh, right behind at 18. Throw Horvat in there at 17. Um, You know, we're 21 games in. So you think about these players are on pace for almost 80 goals, um, you know, 70 to 80 goals, which it's absolutely ridiculous. Obviously, you know, they're more than likely not going to end up there. Um, But to be this hot early in the season is never a bad thing. Um, And I just wanted to give a little shout-out to Martin Jones here because he was supposed to be our backup goalie. Uh, Philip Grubauer went out. I think it was the first game that he played. Um, He ended up finishing the game but uh, had been out for a little uh, with injury. And Martin Jones has stepped up, played absolutely insane. Uh, Actually, there was a comment that he made at one point. Somebody asked him, like, you know, how does it feel to be playing a game, you know, one night and then two nights later playing another game? And he was kind of like, look, like, I've been a starting goalie in this league before uh basically don't disrespect me um and he's come out and really balled out so uh this entire list here of the leaders really puts into perspective um what kind of good hockey we have going on right now the and as the biggest surprise to me as far as what's not on this list um is uh, any other than goalie is any uh toronto maple leaf skater um mainly because uh mitch marner has been on an insane streak right now. I believe he just upped his streak to 18 games um, with a point after an empty net goal. So, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll see him um, and maybe, you know, one of the scores around him like Matthews uh, pop up into some of these lists as the season goes on.
1: Yeah, uh, Mitch Marner is absolutely having a great year. I, Matthews definitely gets a lot of the attention more so than anybody else, uh, as well as I'm staring at his face and I can't think of it.
0: Um, Ever since he left the Islanders, I can't remember his name anymore. I know. I um, went to say it when I was talking about it too, and it was like, yeah. and it wasn't there, so I just didn't bother.
1: But yeah. No. Uh, Mitch Marner is definitely having a great year. Let's pull up his points here and see how many he has right now. Uh, yeah, you are right. He and he extended a streak last night on an empty net goal. Uh, Mitch Marner uh, sits tied eighth in league. Uh, Sidney Crosby is actually seventh. Uh, but uh, Mitch Marner has twenty nine points right now as we sit. Uh, quarter of the way through the season. We're going to go ahead and uh, say about some NBA. Uh, so we're going to update you guys on the standings real quick uh, and just let you know what's going on in the NBA right now. Uh, so, so right now, Boston leads the East. I don't think there's any surprise there. Cleveland, four games back. Milwaukee, two games back. Uh, the, the big surprise to me right now is how poor, poorly Charlotte is playing. Um, I mean, this is a team that's been in the, in the play-in games the last few years for the playoffs. Uh, but nonetheless, made it in. Uh, they invested heavily this offseason. They got a new coach, but here they are. They're sitting, you know, three spots away from last place. Uh, Detroit's in last, Orlando's second to last, and there's Charlotte. Uh, just really struggling to, to do anything uh, early in the season here. There was a big hire in the offseason. MJ got tired of, of the old coach not being able to get past the play in uh, round of the playoffs. Uh, there's been a lot of talk as well. Um, here in Charlotte that the the new coach, he's going to be out after this season. And Jay Wright is going to be heavily pursued. Uh, Jay Wright, of course, just retired from Villanova, said he wanted to take the year off. uh, So there's a lot of talk about him possibly coming to the NBA next year. Uh, But before we talk about the Western conference, Nick, just your thoughts on the Eastern conference.
0: Yeah. So I I did just want to mention, um, I know uh, LaMelo ball. I can't remember. I'm not going to sit here and lie. Um, I don't watch a whole lot of NBA, but I, I believe he recently got injured, if I remember. I don't think he came back. I think he recently got injured, is what happened. He might have even been injured, came back and got injured again. I don't remember for sure. I just remember hearing some about that. So we'll have to look into that. Um, it could be why your boys are struggling a little bit. Um, no, but kind of as we expected, Boston, Milwaukee at the top. Um, you know, they've been there the past uh, that handful of years, at least that I can think of. Um, Cleveland right now playing some good basketball, I think, as that team gels more. Um, you know, just gets that time with each other. I think Cleveland's really gonna make a push there. Um, you know, they're only sitting one game behind Milwaukee, uh, and in my opinion, I know the records don't necessarily say this, but it, you got those top three, and then it's kind of everybody else. Um, in the in the Eastern Conference, uh, Philly underperforming as usual. Um, the Nets down there at eight, it makes me happy. Um, and everything else just kind of makes sense. So,
1: yeah, I, I guess the most surprising thing to me, at least for Boston, is. Um, I mean, they just had this huge head coaching change before the season even started. And now that head coach is in Brooklyn. And again, he's struggling in Brooklyn, you know, even more so than I'd say Steve Nash was. Uh, but just how well Boston has played. I, and last, I believe it's the last two years now, we've seen Boston come out of the gates and struggle in the early part of the season and then turn it on midway through to the end. Uh, and here, you know, they're coming out strong. Hopefully that sets the tone for the rest of their season if they're able to keep that up and then also just carry that into the playoffs as well. Uh, as we look at the Western Conference, no surprise with Phoenix at the top. Uh, I am a little surprised by Denver being in second. Again, I feel like this is a team that has come out and, and hung around the middle of the pack uh, throughout the full season, not just the beginning or the end. Uh, they've always been that four, five, six team in, in the West, uh, unless they're getting you know, a really hot streak, and, and Phoenix is playing bad, and, and so is Golden State. Well, here we are. Golden State's playing bad. Phoenix is still playing well, and Denver's only one game out of first. Uh, so some promising signs out of Denver there for them. Uh, the big surprise to me overall is New Orleans being in second. Uh, obviously getting uh, the fat guy. Uh, they got him back. Yeah, Zion, there we go. Um, getting him back obviously helped a lot. But just overall, this team is playing very, very well this year to start. Uh, Memphis in fourth. Uh, Clippers in sixth. The Kings and or excuse me, Clippers in fifth. Kings in sixth. The Jazz in seventh, and again, like I just mentioned, Golden State struggling to start the year here. They're down in eighth, uh, Minnesota in ninth, and Portland in tenth. Uh, Lakers still suck uh, because Anthony Brown and LeBron James are washed. Uh, but Nick, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, um, so like you said, Phoenix at first, not really much too, uh, much different to expect there. Uh, Denver definitely giving them a run for their money. Uh, big surprises here for me. Um I guess the first one would be, like you said, Sacramento and six. They're playing some good basketball. They're a good young team. Golden um, State at eight. Yeah, I, I know we're coming to the end of that dynasty, uh, but for the players that they still have there, uh, I'm sure none of them are happy sitting at 11-11, especially because they came out of the gate hot. Um, and then, yeah, Lakers still suck. Dallas at 10 is very shocking, too, because it's a team that we see, see make, make a playoff run last year. Uh, you know, Luka couldn't only really do so much, though. Um, and yeah, Lakers, I mean, I'm pretty sure they started like 0-10, maybe close to that, maybe 0-8. I don't know. I don't remember exactly. But to see them at 8-12 and now, they're catching some footing. Um, you know, maybe we'll see Anthony Davis has put together a stretch of a couple good games. Braun's still Brawn. He's still going to put up 30 points, almost triple-double. Um, but it's that supporting cast around him that's struggling. They put Russell Westbrook at the 6th he's finally actually acting like he remembers how to play basketball again. Um, so I don't know. We'll see as the season goes on how the Lakers turn around. Um, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about, oh, LeBron's going here. Or, you know, he's going to join Court Curry. Or he's going to Charlotte to join. Like it, We'll see what happens. It's LeBron, you know, he'll take his talents to wherever the hell he feels will cause the most talk about him. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see as the season goes on. Yeah,
1: uh, And then, just real quick, the other surprising thing to me is Portland being at ten. This is the team coming into the, the season with, when trading away a lot of their stars. Lillard went to Cleveland. They scrapped that whole team, and everybody thought, okay, they're just going to be tanking and trying to get some draft picks back. Here they are. Right? If the playoffs started today, they are in in the, in the playoff spot, uh, playing in game. Um, so very surprising start for me to see them uh, to, to kick off the season here, sitting at 11-11, tied with the record for Golden State and, and Minnesota as well. Uh, so good for them going out there and proving a lot of people wrong. Uh, we're going to shift over to football now. We're going to talk a little bit of the NFL. Uh, we are six weeks away from the end of the season. Uh, as we're sitting here talking, New England and Buffalo are getting ready to kick off. Uh, so, Nick, go ahead and, and walk us through some NFL talk.
0: Yeah, so um, it's, it's a wild year in the NFL. The NFC East is the best division. I think we've talked about it before. Uh, the AFC East is the second best division. Um, it's absolutely wild. We'll go ahead and break some stuff down here for you So. Philly's oh go ahead, you want to say
1: something?
0: no good all right so uh, Phillies still sitting atop the NFC East and atop of the NFL at 10 and one Dallas right behind him 8 and three in the NFC East uh, and the Giants in Washington tied at seven wins getting ready to play twice in the next three weeks at seven and four and seven and five respectfully In the NFC North Minnesota uh, up top and then it's everybody else uh, five games behind him at least we got Detroit at four and seven which is starting to gain some momentum. Um, that was kind of the big surprise for me they had a their defense carried them to the three wins i think they had last year um coming in their offense was supposed to be better their offense has been playing well and the defense just hasn't shown up that defense and offense can show up at the same time watch out um and then green bay right behind them at four and eight and chicago sitting there at three and nine in the fight for that first draft uh pick and then uh over or uh, in the NFC South, we have Tampa Bay at five and six, Atlanta at five and seven, Carolina at four and eight, and New Orleans at four and eight. A uh, big thing here: any single record in the NFC East would win the NFC South at the season ended today. Um, I didn't expect a whole lot out of the NFC South, but I mean, wow! Uh, there's a video of Nick Wright out there talking about how uh, Tom Brady and Tampa Bay are going to walk into the playoffs at like eight and nine, and then face like Daniel Jones and all these bum QBs. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. I'm kind of hoping Atlanta or Carolina can make a run here. Um, and then last in the NFC, uh, we have the NFC West. Uh, San Francisco sitting at 7-4, and four, kind of a surprise there. I th- you know, it's a good record, but I think they could be better. Uh, they're probably not happy with where they're at. Seattle at 6-5, and five, absolutely laughable because fuck Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Um, Arizona sitting at 4-8, and eight. ha-ha, Call of Duty came out. And the Los Angeles Rams, probably the shock of the year in the NFL sitting at three and eight. I know they lost, um, uh, the big left tackle. I can't Whitworth. remember his name. Yes. Whitworth. Um, you know, I know they lost him, but you can't tell me that that was, I mean, he was, old only... still. yeah,
1: that's, yeah, you can't, he couldn't long.
0: have been the only thing holding up that offensive line. I don't know what they got going on in Los Angeles. I think fuck them picks finally caught up to bite him in the ass. Um, but you know, it's, that's the way she goes. Uh, so what do you, what do you see here? That's, that's surprising. Um,
1: for me, I think the biggest surprise is how poorly Green Bay is playing. Um, I understand losing Devontae Adams was huge, and you know, we joked that uh Rodgers wasn't gonna have any wide receivers. I didn't see them going four and eight, though. I thought the defense would still be good enough to carry them. I-, I thought they would be up there with Minnesota for record right now. Um Detroit, their their start to the season was discouraging to me, but they have really found their groove here lately. They almost beat the Bills last week. Uh and, and they have Their offense is clicking again. We saw they had one of the best offenses in the league to start the season, and then it went dead. And then their defense picked up, but they didn't have any offense to go with it. And now here they're they're both meshing together. They're getting some wins. Um, Not always pretty wins. They beat Green Bay 15-9. to Uh, So, you know, it's not that they're going out there and scoring 50 points on on somebody uh, and letting the other team score 50 as well. They're playing really good defense, and their offense just needs to show up more consistently. And I absolutely think Detroit can make a playoff run here and sneak into the wild card. Uh, I look at the West. Uh, I think Seattle's glass slipper has fallen off. You know, Geno Smith had a great start to the beginning of the year. Uh, and I, I think they've hit the difficult part of their schedule. But as well, I, I think teams are kind of figuring out their system that what they had working for them so well in, the, in those early weeks. Um, I mean, this is a Seattle team. They can still, you know, catch a few wins here and there and wind up in the playoffs. I'm not saying that's not going to happen. Um, but I, I obviously don't see them winning the division. Uh, I look at San Francisco, uh, kind of rough start to the year, and then Trey Lance gets hurt. Garoppolo comes in, he wins a game or two, and then they went on a, a rough stretch there. I think San Francisco has found their footing. They go to Miami this week uh, for a big, tough test. Um, I don't even think that's a phrase, but it is now. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll get to see how good this San Francisco team really is. Um, I look at the South. I hope Atlanta wins it at this point, just because I hate uh, that whole division just needs to die off. The fact that Carolina still has a chance to win it uh, is upsetting to me, to say the least. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. And then I look at the NFC East. I hope the whole division makes the playoffs at this point. I, I think it would be just that much more fun to watch. Um, but uh, to me, the most the two surprising teams are Washington and the Giants. Uh, I mean, everybody kind of knew Philly was going to have a really good year this year. I don't think anybody saw 10-1, but uh, here we are. They, they sit at 10-1. Dallas is at 8-3. They got Dak back. They're playing really well here the last few weeks. Uh, they just beat that Minnesota team, who's 9-2, by like 40 points. Um, but the, the surprise to me is the Giants and the Commanders, just because I, I think everybody expected the Giants to have a better season than they did last year. I don't think anybody saw 7-4. and four Beating some really good teams along the way, and same with Washington, with so much going on in the front office, uh, and then Carson Wentz got hurt. I, I don't think anybody saw them being able to get to seven and five, and yet here we are, uh, and very surprising for me to see, to say the least. And the fact that we're talking about all four teams having the possibility of making the playoff is just nuts in my eyes. Um, but I'm excited to see where this goes from here. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, go ahead, I'll pull up the West for you. Yeah,
0: the, the, the AFC West. I knew it, man. meant. Uh, so, yeah, um, it, over in the AFC side. So we'll start with the AFC South, uh, Tennessee, kind of taking the lead, taking the reins of the AFC South. They're up seven or they're sitting at seven and four. Um, there was a point where Jacksonville was sitting up front and I thought Jacksonville had a good chance to win this division. Um, Tennessee has found their footing. So good for them. I, you know, I no disrespect against Tennessee, um, Indianapolis. Three games, well, probably a little more than three games behind. No, I guess it would be three games. But uh, sitting at four and seven, Jacksonville tied at four and seven, and then Houston at one and nine. Um, I personally think that this could be the best one and nine team maybe ever. Um, This is a talented, young Houston roster. Uh, They've lost a good amount of their games by one possession. Um, Very close games. The record is a bit uh, misleading. In the AFC West, uh, the only real good team to come out of it so far is Kansas City, as usual. They're sitting at 9-2. and two. Um, The Chargers sitting right, not right, but shortly behind them at 6-5. and five. Uh, at, I'll get to the Chargers in a second. The Raiders, absolutely disappointing at 4-7. and seven. And then the Denver Broncos, uh, I love being right. And Denver sitting at the bottom of this division just makes me feel absolutely happy because I told everybody you don't want Russ. Um, but They begged for him and there he is. So um, we put you so over in the AFC East, Miami and Buffalo fighting it out both at eight and three. Uh, The Jets right behind them, surprisingly at seven and four. And then New England just behind them at six and five. Uh, Like I said, the NFC East and the AFC East, two best divisions in football. Uh, They're showing you why. Um, The AFC East is a little more closely contested from top to bottom, but um, it's going to be a good race as the season ends up. And then in the AFC North, uh, Baltimore and Cincinnati tied at seven and four, uh, looking to battle out, see who can win that division, Cleveland and Pittsburgh battling to see who can be the worst in that division at four and seven. Um, I, I think, uh, I'll start with the Chargers here. So I don't lose my train of thought here for me, at least the Chargers are one of the big surprises in the AFC. Um, and I'm kind of at the point where I feel like they shouldn't be a surprise anymore because this is the third year in a row that everybody had good high expectations for the chargers and they just haven't lived up to it. Um, This is a team that we thought could be sitting, you know, with one or two loss at this point in the season, they've lost some, some good games. Obviously one of those was to Kansas city, but they've just dropped some games that they had no business dropping. Um, I I don't think it's Justin Herbert. I still think that Justin Herbert is going to carry that team as far as he can. Um, His wide receiver group is pretty, I I don't want to say old, old, but getting up there. Um, Obviously, as Austin Eckler, I don't know if it's the defense that's letting, you know, letting things down or what here, but they need to figure out what they got going on and quick Uh, The seasons running out. And then uh, as far as any other surprises that might stick out to me, I don't really see a whole lot. I mean, Baltimore has the chance to be 11 and 0 right now, and they just can't hold on to a damn lead, uh, which uh, isn't necessarily surprising but I guess that would be the only thing. Oh, the Jets. The Jets would be, and it's not a huge surprise to me. I thought they were going to have a good season, um, but they just keep finding ways to win games, and sometimes it's in absolutely ridiculous ways. Mike White is the GOAT. Um, that's all I have to say. What do you, what do you got? Um, no, no, the Jets are
1: absolutely surprising. Uh, I didn't. I understand Zach Wilson's now replaced, but the fact that he even got them the uh, 7-4, him and Flacco together got them. Him and Flacco. Together. Wow. Um, which is, is Flacco hurt? Why, why is he not playing? Uh, I I don't understand what's going on there. But, um, it, so yeah, the Jets are very surprising. I think to everybody, nobody can sit here and say that they saw the Jets being seven and four. Uh, Buffalo is, is surprising to me in, in the wrong ways. Uh, those three losses they have. Yeah, I understand it's only three losses is not that bad. But those three losses they have were head scratchers to say the least. Um, and then I, I for me, I'm just looking. Uh, Look at the AFC West. It's a dumpster fire, first of all. Yes, the Chiefs are, are free and clear of that dumpster fire, but uh, Brandon Stanley is not going to last another season in San, or I said San Diego in L.A. Uh, he should absolutely be fired at the end of the season. I don't care if they make the playoffs or not. He does not deserve to be there. He has shown that he is taking one of the best rosters in the NFL and just running it into the ground uh, because he will not get his head out of that stupid Windows tablet. Um, and then I look at the AFC North. I'd see Cleveland at four and seven, and they just got a huge win over Tampa Bay as well this past week. They get Deshaun or Deshaun Watson back this week, uh, and, and I'll be interested to see where he can take that team from here. If they can go on a run, to win the, the, the last six games, or I, I think they only have five left now. But nonetheless, I, six, they will yeah. be in. They have six. Okay, uh, they are absolutely being playoff contention here uh, if they can r- rattle off some wins, especially if they end up beating teams like Cincinnati and Baltimore. Uh, I believe they've already beat Cincinnati once this year. And a quick shout-out to Cincinnati. This is a team I thought was dead in the water four weeks in. Uh, th- they were playing like the team we thought they were going to be last season. Joe Burrow was getting sacked like nine times a game. It was ugly. And here they are. They're sitting at 7-4, and four, tied for the division lead. Uh, so the AFC North race is going to be a lot of fun to watch these last six weeks. Like I said, with Watson coming back, uh, I think it makes it a three-team race. They're only three games out of you know uh, that tie. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see where that can go from here.
0: I just want to say one thing about the Cleveland Browns real quick. So Deshaun Watson coming back, obviously he's a talented quarterback. He's a better quarterback than Jacoby Percet. Um, Ten of his accusers will be in the stands at this game. Now, I have two issues with this. First of all, could you imagine I, these girls are, I don't want to say a, a allegedly, in their mind, they are rape victims or sexual assault victims. We'll say sexual assault. Um rate might be a bit extensive. I, I didn't read all the cases. But sexual assault victims. Not only does the NFL invite you to watch, I I guess it'd be the NFL, maybe it was Sean. Somebody invites you to come watch this these this game that your accuser for a team you're accused or you're accused at I don't know, fucking legal terms. Um Deshaun Watson plays for, but he's going to be in the game. It's his first game back. I mean, that, to me. I don't know. It kind of seems a little messed up, but secondly, he's probably about to throw for 405 tutters. Like he's probably about to go off. He's like, yeah, they're in the stands. they fucked up the last 11 weeks of my season. Here it goes. Like, so I don't, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, and then again, it is Cleveland. So maybe he's going to do the exact opposite. Maybe we'll throw five tutters to the opposite team. We'll see, but I don't know. It's a weird situation.
1: Um, yeah, so like I said, with him going back, it definitely makes that AFC North a lot more interesting to watch to see how that plays out. With everything just being so tightly grouped together, um, I understand Pittsburgh's also sitting at four and seven, but I think the wheels are bound to continue falling off of that team, uh, and I think Mike is going to get his first ever losing record uh, this season. Agreed. Well, we're going to go ahead and look very quickly at some college basketball. Uh it's been a very chaotic start to the season in in the entire world of college basketball. Uh we have UNC who has now lost three straight games. who was number 1. Uh the tournament they had in Portland was absolutely stacked with teams. You had Iowa State, you had Villanova, uh you had UNC, I Alabama, Michigan State. Uh, I'm trying to think all the other ones that, that were out there Portland uh who I thought was going to be like they were just there cuz they're the host city and they absolutely mopped the floor of Villanova. They (laughs) almost beat UNC night one. Um, So just an absolutely stacked tournament. Uh, I expect UNC to fall out of the top 25 now, of course, with losing to Indiana last night. I understand Indiana's a top 10 team. It was five points, I want to say, five to ten points. Um, But still, losing four straight is not going to help voters keep you in the top 25, I should know, as a Villanova fan. Um, So Nick, just your thoughts right, real quick on the top 25 and and how the season has started as a whole.
0: Yeah, so um a lot of good basketball being played. I I love college basketball because when you compare it to say college football, um the majority of the time most teams are playing some janky FCS school or a Group of 5 school, you know, something like that. There's not really a whole lot of good games the first, you know, 2, 3, maybe 4 weeks of the season minus one or two here or there. Um but with college basketball, they put these tournaments together, these invitationals, and you get matchups like, you know, Houston and Villanova, UNC, like these people might all be in the same tournament. So you're going to get these good matchups, um, which is, is my opinion, great for the sport. It's more entertaining. You don't got to wait a whole half a season to, you know, to watch some good games. So that that's the first thing I want to say. Second thing I want to say, again, a lot of good basketball being played. Um, uh, Houston was the favorite to win the championship when the season started, when the first tip off went off. They're now currently sitting at number one, um, Hopefully, for their sake, they can keep that rolling. They look very good on the court. Um, Indiana, as a UNC fan, I got to watch them play the, the other night, last night. Yeah, last night. Yeah. Um, and they look like a very good team as well. I'm just watching them. It, there were times where you know they're just making the right plays, seeing things that a lot of people won't see. Uh, they're going to be very hard to stop. Um, as far as coming from a UNC fan, I was just texting you about this shortly before the show. Um, it, if you've watched UNC, you'll realize that they're playing a lot of their freshmen. There's four freshmen that are coming in that are getting a lot of minutes playing. Plus, you have Puff Johnson, who's not a starter, but he's getting extra minutes. Uh, he was the one that puked in the natty last year. Um, you know, it's, I, So I, I personally think that Hubert Davis is looking at this and saying, look, this is supposed to be our year. We made it last year. We didn't get it. Why didn't we get it? but we had six guys that we could trust to put on the floor in a championship game. And let me tell you, that is not a winning formula in NCAA or really in any basketball world whatsoever. Um, So I think Hubert Davis is kind of like, look, we might take some losses here early in the season, but we're going to get these guys playing time. You know, we're going to get, we're going to make sure everybody is ready to play come tournament time because come tournament time, if our Mondo Baycott goes down again. And now Pete Nance has got to take over that five spot okay well we have four freshmen that i know that i can plug in here and be good so i'm not worried as a unc fan yet um part of me keeps telling me that i should be but due to the fact that we weren't even ranked squeaked into the tournament and ended up going to the natty last year uh i have faith in davis and the four returning starters we have plus pete nance's larry nance's son um or larry nance jr's son so uh some lin- some lineage there, some history with him so uh we'll, we'll see how the season goes i If we're sitting not unranked, like in a month or two, definitely ask me because at that point, I'm probably freaking out.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, uh, last night, uh, as you mentioned, with UNC losing, Michigan State also lost, and it wasn't even a close loss. It was a 30 point loss to Notre Dame. Um, Looking at the rest of these standings, uh, Purdue obviously playing very good basketball right now. The reason I, I can't believe they were ranked as low as they were to start the year. Up to number five, they're also getting some number one votes. People are upset that they weren't number one. I listen. They've had a very good start to the year, it, but Houston has came in as as a clear favorite to start the year, and they've played very good basketball. Start. Houston deserves to be number one. People. I was scrolling through Twitter just trying to find top twenty five like a picture of the top twenty five rankings. It was just people complaining about Purdue not being ranked number one.
0: got it. I don't. I don't get. think they deserve it. I. I think that they're no. a very good team. Um, but. A lot of them relies on it's Edie? Eddie, mm-hmm. Edie? the big man. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure what nationality he is, but he's huge and he's an absolute baller. Um, it, without him, I don't think Purdue is nearly as good of a team. Um, but that's no, just my two cents. Yeah.
1: Um, obviously, as a fan of a team in the Big East, seeing Creighton and UConn playing so well and ranked so high, uh, Villanova has had a very tough start to the year, to say the least. Uh, I believe we've lost five games now. Um, but at the same time, I, I also understand, listen, we have a first-year head coach. We do have a lot of new, guy, new faces to the team that made a Final Four last year. Uh, I'm not hitting the panic button yet. I'm not saying this guy should be fired or anything like that. Uh, he definitely needs time to develop and, and learn to speak to these players. I understand he was an assistant, but still, once you get handed the reins, I mean, you, you need to redevelop a lot of these relationships and set new boundaries. Uh, and so I, I still have faith in him. I still have faith in team. Kind of like you're saying with UNC right now. Uh, once we get into conference play, I'm excited. I want to see where this goes from there. Uh, how we're playing, you know, once we're facing UConn and Crane and these difficult teams in the season uh, a little bit later on. And, of course, come tournament time, if we can make a run, say we don't win, win the regular season Big East title, we can always go out and win the tournament and make our way in. Um, and worst comes to worst, we don't make the tournament this year. I, I am okay with it. It will suck. Uh, hopefully we can go in the NIT at least. Um, but we have a lot to talk about with college football, so we're just going to go ahead and move into that. Uh, we're going to probably spend a good hour talking some college football here. Uh, it was an absolutely insane Week 13 in college football. Uh, before we get to the Week 13 wrap-up, let's go ahead. Uh, there's already been a lot of new head coaches announced uh, in college football, so we're going to talk about that quick. Uh, one that is not on here that was just announced before we went live. Uh, Tom Herman, the former Texas coach uh, that was unjustly fired, has uh, been hired at FAU. So that is not on this list, but that was just confirmed before we went on the air. Uh, Trent Dilfer, the former NFL quarterback, I believe he paid, played for the Ravens. Uh, I don't I remember if he was a quarterback when they won the Super Bowl in 2000 or not. Uh, but he's been coaching high school football at prep academies the last few years. Uh, done pretty well there. Uh, and UAB has decided to take the leap on him. Everybody was a little surprised they didn't go with their interim coach. Of course, their normal head coach resigned a little, uh, I believe it was in August. So just before the season started, hired an interim for the year. He went six and six, uh, got them the ball eligibility. Did not make the Conference USA title game for, I believe it would put him in the fourth year in a row. Uh, but everybody thought he should be brought back. He was not. So they're taking a gamble on hiring Trent Dilfer. Uh, So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. The big splash uh, of so far has been Hugh Freeze being hired by Alabama. Of course, Freeze has coached at Liberty the last few years since being fired from Ole Miss. What?
0: You said Alabama. I said Liberty. What? No, no, no. You said Hugh Freeze going to Alabama. Oh,
1: my bad. Sorry. He's going to Auburn um, from Liberty. Of course, he was fired from Ole Miss a few years ago uh, for the, Many many violations he had, but also running an escort service off of his work phone, from Ole Miss. Um, That'll do it. Yeah, uh, at Ole Miss he went 39 and 25, and the last few years at Liberty he went 31 and 15. So this is a coach he knows how to win. Uh, but you know maybe the good Christian people at Liberty have righted his his way, uh, and he won't be such a scumbag anymore. But we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I don't think we'll change at all. Uh, Give <laughs> it three years. I, I can. Hugh Freeze is just like Urban Meyer, except younger. He doesn't have heart problems that he can like rely on to get him out of situations. Um, the, uh, Brent key who took over as the interim coach at Georgia tech really turned that program around we went four and four as a head coach. They just miss out on bowl eligibility this year. Um, did a great job turning that program around once he got handed the reins, uh, he gets hired on as the full-time head coach, Matt rule will be returning to the college football ranks, uh, Speaking to some Nebraska fans, they are not really happy about it. I think Matt Rule will do great things at Nebraska. I think he'll at least get that program back into you know w- making some bowl games. It might take a year or two. Um, Matt, yeah, I don't. I don't think he's going
0: to take them to like elite. They're not going to be competing against Ohio State or you know anything like that. But you know when you look at his past record, he's taken one two win teams and made them nine ten win teams. Uh, if you're a Nebraska fan, mm-hmm. in my opinion, now I know Tony's not going to be happy with that. But if you're a Nebraska fan and you start winning nine ten games again. I'd be happy. I'll put it yeah. to you
1: that way. I mean, he, he's somebody that went into Baylor when uh, after the Art Briles stuff came out, and after that program was decimated, they lost a bunch of players, lost a bunch of scholarships. In three season, he in three seasons he took them from a one win team to a ten win Sugar Bowl team. Uh, so he definitely has a pedigree <coughs> to turn these teams around. Uh, I, I definitely give him some time. Uh, and Nebraska is going to put some resources behind him. I think he can turn Nebraska into an elite program if if given. The, the, the right time and the right tools, uh, and if he doesn't leave too soon. Obviously, I think Baylor has gotten very lucky. Once he left, they brought in a very good coach. Uh, again, they won the Sugar Bowl last year. They've made a lot of progress as a, as a program year in, year out. They're, they're a team that challenges for the Big Ten title, or excuse me, Big 12 title. Um, and so, if, God forbid Matt Rule decides to leave Nebraska in three years. Uh, hopefully, it turns into a Baylor situation and not a Temple situation. Uh, Kenny Dillingham will be leaving Oregon uh, as the offensive coordinator. Uh, he is heading to be the head coach at Arizona State. Uh, he is an alum of Arizona State. Of course, Arizona State fired uh, four weeks into the season after the loss to Eastern Michigan. Um, notable thing: uh, Oregon to, go to Arizona State uh, weekly next play in uh, And Luke Fickle. This one was surprising to me. A lot of rumors. Leaving this year. I did not think it was going to be to Wisconsin. I thought Wisconsin was going to hang on to their interim coach, uh, Jim Leanhart, uh or Leinhardt was going to go somewhere else. But here, Luke Fickle will be heading to Wisconsin. Uh, Fickle was 57 and 18 at Cincinnati, uh, of course, took them to the playoff last year. So Wisconsin is getting a, a big time coach. Uh, I think going forward, Nebraska and Wisconsin are going to have a very good rivalry if Rule can, of course, turn that program around at Nebraska. Uh, But it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Your thoughts on the new hires real quick before we look at vacancy still open.
0: Yeah, so... Sorry, I'm getting over the flu for any minute. doesn't know. Um, So I already talked about Matt Rule. Uh, Luke Fickle, I think, is a great hire for Wisconsin. Um, I I didn't think that Fickle was going to end up in Wisconsin. I thought he might, you know, try to end up somewhere a little more... I don't want to say high profile, but high profile. um, But I think that he can really um, add to this Wisconsin team and make them a contender. Um, may again, sort of like Matt rule, Nebraska, maybe not necessarily a, you know, college football playoff contender, um, but a contender that, you know, pushing 10 wins every season. Um, he obviously knows what he's doing. Uh, so uh, I'm kind of interested to see what he does with that Wisconsin team. Like you said, Mm -hmm. I, I think Wisconsin and Nebraska are about to start, uh, butting heads a whole lot. Um, those are really the two that stuck out with me the most, um, you know, Trent Dilfer, if he would have gone to, to you know, a, a power five, some sort of like maybe the Nebraska or Wisconsin job, I'd see a little more problem with it, but I think UAB was a good place for him to come. Um, and, and you know, kind of see what he can do, see what he can put onto the field at the collegiate level. Um, Hugh freeze at Auburn huge. Uh, I'm not really sure how I feel about Auburn's chances as a whole. I mean, freeze is going to be good there. Um, but there's so much competition in the SEC, and you know, like we seen with the last coach, it's hard to get those steal those recruits from Bama, Georgia, uh, LSU. You know, uh, and name almost any team in the SEC, um, and or at least at the top of the SEC. But I think that he's going to do better than what's currently being done at Auburn. Um, and then you know, Brent Cre- Brent Key, Georgia Tech. I I'd, I'm here for Georgia Tech. I hope they keep going up. So let's get it.
1: Uh, let's go ahead and look at some the vacancies still left. Uh, Cincinnati, obviously Liberty, uh, Stanford, uh, Colorado, USF, as we just mentioned before. FAU is off the board now. Tom Herman will be heading there. Uh, super excited to see Tom Herman get his feet back under him. Uh, he was a Bears assistant last year. I don't think he was still doing it this year, um, but I, I'm excited to see him go there, get his feet under him, start winning again. And again, I don't think he deserved to be fired from Texas. Um, wasn't the biggest fan of him at Texas, but he was doing a service. He was doing the same exact thing that um, old Burger King Employee of the Month is doing. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. God, that suit was ugly, though. Uh, um, which, so, of course, I, I think every name here has been associated with Deion Sanders at some point already. Um, which one do you think uh, would be the biggest to get filled? Uh, Colorado, of course, has been the laughing stock of the entire college football nation for years now. Uh, Stanford has had a down... Three years, I want to say now. Uh, Cincinnati is a big school to go to. Uh, thank you to you know Luke Fickle and the winning he's done there. Liberty again, um, they've had some big names go through there. They've gone to a lot of good bowl games. Uh, stumbled towards the end of the season, especially once they knew their head coach was leaving. They just got blown out by New Mexico State ball schools uh, and USF, who once in a while will have a really good year. Uh, I I have heard Scott Frost linked to that job, but again, I've also heard Deion Sanders. A lot going on. Uh, which, which one do you see being the highest profile hire out of all these?
0: Yeah. So um, the two schools that I've heard the most about when it comes to Dion is Colorado and USF. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him go there. Um, but with this, I, I hadn't heard at least up until probably about two days ago. I hadn't heard um, anything about him going to Cincinnati. But I also hadn't heard about Cincinnati needing a head coaching job up until you know a little while ago. So. I'm interested to see. I, I think that somebody's somebody's going to have to take a chance, or at least when you think about Cincinnati, Cincinnati would be taking a chance um, on old prime time. I think he's proven himself. Uh, you know, the recruiting—he got the number one recruit in the country. Um, he's proven himself on the field. They've been absolutely phenomenal as far as on the field play goes. Uh, so I think that if Cincinnati thinks that they want him, they might end up grabbing him. Um, but I really see him going somewhere. As far as what I currently think, um, I like I said, there's a lot of talk. I from everything that I had read and gathered, Colorado seemed like it was going to be his landing spot. Um, but again, that was before Cincinnati kind of became a player in this. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Cincinnati might not be willing to take a chance on him quite yet. Um, but wherever he goes, uh, just a plan on it being turned around. Um, you know I. I don't think I'm not saying he's going to make Colorado a college football playoff contender or nothing, um, but definitely be ready to see them uh, jump up. And as far as anything else goes, one thing about college football is it's unpredictable and that's whether it's on the field or or off the field. Um, So any one of these spots could be filled by literally any name you could possibly throw out there for a head coaching job. Um, And that's, that's the joy of it. So I'm interested to see how uh, things shake out here.
1: Yeah. uh, If, I think if Dion's going to go anywhere, it's got to be a power five school. I, I think he wants to go somewhere. And if he can't turn them around, he wants more of an opportunity to go to the playoff. He doesn't want to take over, say, a USF or a or a, like a Liberty. Um, you know, hey, we're, we're undefeated. We're having a great year. But, you know, we're in a, in a group of five or in Liberty's case, we're in an, an independent school. It's, it's even more difficult for us to get into a playoff. Um, Cincinnati, of course, moving to the Big 12, I think, helps. I have a feeling since that, if, you know, depending on how much of Luke Fickle's staff is staying behind, they might try and promote within. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what direction Cincinnati goes in. Uh, I think Dion's most likely landing spot at this point is Stanford or Colorado. Um, and we're going to talk about you State here in a minute. I don't want to – I'm not saying Ryan Day's getting fired yet, but we're going to talk about them here in a minute uh, and what I think Day's future is going to be. Um So let's go ahead. Let's look at the standings uh, right now. And we're going to talk about week 13 here a little bit. Uh, So Georgia and Michigan are number one and number two. There was a little bit of debate if Michigan could jump them. Uh, I'm fine with Georgia staying at number one. TCU slides up to number three. USC all the way up to number four. Ohio State falls to fifth. Alabama is at sixth. Tennessee at seventh. Penn State at eighth. Clemson nine. Kansas State ten. Utah eleven. Washington twelve. Florida State jumps up to 13. LSU falls to 14th. Oregon State all the way up to 15th. Oregon falls to 16th. UCLA 17th. Tulane 18th. South Carolina into the rankings for the first time ever in the college football playoff ranking system at 19th. Texas is 20th. Notre Dame falls to 21st. UCF 22nd. North Carolina falls to 23rd. Mississippi State 24th. And NC State rounds out your top 25. Uh, so, of course, the, the big game of the weekend was Michigan-Ohio State. Was a three-point game at halftime. Uh, did not finish that way at all. This is the second year in a row now we've seen this game be deadlocked almost going in the halftime and come out and Michigan just run the ball all over them in the second half. Blake Corm again, was not 100%. It didn't matter. Donovan just, just ran all over them in the second half. I believe he had two 70-yard touchdowns. They had two 70-yard touch, passing touchdowns in the first half. Uh, so just complete. Falling apart by Ohio I say, I don't think there's any other way to put that. Uh, just your, we'll talk about some other games here in a second, but just your thoughts on that game.
0: Yeah. So, one thing that I know that you're going to bring up here in a little bit, uh, Ryan Day came out and said, Yeah, we're dropping 100 on Michigan. Listen, all right. If you're going to come out and you're going to say that you're going to drop 100 on a team, especially a team that is currently ranked, you know, at, at least as high as you or around as high as you, uh, you better come out and at least put in a hella good effort. Um, and, you know, being tied at half was already laughable. It's like, yeah, obviously you're not going to run, you know, run over these guys like you thought they were. And then to just come out and get blatantly bullied in the second half. Now, look, I don't have a lot of room to talk as a Penn State fan because we got bullied the entire game by Michigan. Um, but we also didn't come out and say we were going to drop a hundred. So, uh, the big thing for me, you know, I, I knew that if Michigan could keep their run game going, Ohio State wasn't going to have a chance. Um. And you know, early on in the game, if it weren't for Michigan, uh, really, uh, the one touchdown, the one seventy-yard touchdown pass was a, was a good play. The other one was was luck. They threw like a hitch, and the guy broke a tackle, and was gone. Um, without those two plays, that first half looks a whole lot different, and the game itself might look a whole lot different. Um, but just uh, wow, uh, there's a reason that it was hyped. It was. Arguably an early playoff game. Um, I'm just glad to see Ohio State. I really could have cared less who won. I was hoping they tied the whole time. Um, But due to the fact that Ohio State talked shit before the game started, uh, specifically Ryan Day talking about dropping 100 points, I was glad to see them go down. Um, And it's always a good day when Buckeye fans are crying. Uh, Minus Jesse. I love you, Jesse. I don't like seeing you sad.
1: Uh, no, I wasn't going to bring up the 100-point thing. Just because that's rivalry talk. You're going to have that no matter what every year. Um, but coming into the season, I did say I felt like this was a put-up-or-shut-up year for Ryan Day. He, he had <coughs> arguably one of the best offenses returning in college football. Um, you know, it's, uh, Smith and Jigbo was hurt, uh, but you still had Marvin Harrison Jr. You still had C.J. Stroud. Uh, you had Trevion Henderson, who, again, I understand was hurt for this game, but still for as well as they played in the first half to just completely fall apart in the second half falls on the coaching and they had a cupcake schedule up to this point in the season, but again, so did Michigan. And I, I feel like Ryan day is not the guy for the job. He, he was handed the golden key from urban Meyer. And again, I said all this at the beginning of the year, we can go back and watch the big 10 you know, season preview and, and hear me say it. Um, I, but I thought, you know, he, he was going to put up this year. I thought he was, he was finally going to get it together and show why he was given the key. Uh, it, but it's been very clear that without that Urban Meyer roster, without that Urban Meyer coaching, I don't think this Ohio State team is a national championship contender. Uh, we saw in 2020, again, I feel like they got the benefit of their schedule. They didn't – I they would have beat Michigan that year, yes, I 100% agree, but only playing Big Ten schools, and to be honest, they did not play any good Big Ten schools, um, and – hitting virtue of playing Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship, getting into the playoffs. I understand they beat a very good Clemson team that year, but I think Davo Sweeney is a little overrated as well as being evidence by you know, what he's doing this year. But I think I, I give it one more. year. If he loses to Michigan next year, I think it, he gets fired. I don't care if he goes 11-1 and, and that one loss is to Michigan. Uh, Ohio State does not tolerate losing to Michigan. The way I feel like Michigan has kind of tolerated it before – um, with some of their other coaches before Jim Harbaugh. I mean, we saw before last year, Harbaugh was what, 0-5, 0-4 against Ohio State. Yeah. And was on um, the
0: hot seat. Yeah. Right. It was scorching um, hot.
1: <laughs> I think Ohio State is not <laughs> as lenient with that. I think if he loses next year uh, to Michigan, I think he's out uh, again, no matter what his record is. And now you have drama with them in the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl came out first uh, and said, listen, we might consider taking Penn State this year over Ohio State. Ohio it, and." They said, "We understand it, when the, the Big Ten shaping goes uh, to the playoffs. You know, we got to take the next highest ranked team. Well, we don't need to. We we are the committee. We can choose whoever we want." And they said, "You know, Ohio State's been here two of the last four years. We kind of want some different teams. There's also a possibility of a year to year rematch with them in Utah. Uh, so like, we just want to kind of mix things up a little bit." Well, it, Ohio State's response is, "Well, we want to go to the Orange Bowl anyway. We don't want to go there. Uh, so now there's drama there." I think it's just the fact that if Utah wins the Pac-12 title, they don't want to get mopped by them because they should have got mopped last year. Um, but here we are. Utah, Penn State would still be a good game. I think it's going to end up being Washington, though, in the Rose Bowl, uh, especially if uh, Utah loses. They're definitely going to slide back more than one spot. Uh, so I think Washington will get the nod there. Still a very good matchup. Excited to see that. Uh, we shall wait to see how everything shakes out, though. Um, Moving on to the other big game, obviously, Oregon losing to Oregon State. Uh, I didn't agree with them falling nine spots, uh, but or seven. I believe they fell seven spots. It is what it is. Uh, Clemson should have fallen a hell of a lot farther. I understand it's a one-point loss, but it was at home, uh, and they fell, I believe, only one spot t- uh, total. Uh, they yeah. should not be in the top ten. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm not excited about that. Uh, I think that's the big mistake that they made. Um, the, the other debate, and you, Slade, and I were talking about the other day. Obviously, we put out our top six over the weekend. Um, in my top six that day, I put Alabama over Tennessee. But again, it, the, the statement I made to you guys last night is, listen, we're we're, ju- we're just a bunch of jackasses. We can basically say whatever we want. It doesn't have any weight. Uh, the, the college football committee needs, and I understand I, this is exactly what they're doing. Is They're looking at the situation, saying Hennon Hooker is hurt. He's not coming back for the rest of the year. Uh, therefore, Tennessee is not a better team. The way I'm, I'm saying you need to look at it, though, is not only has Tennessee beat Alabama, and yes, I understand it was only three, a three-point game, um, but they beat beat Alabama. LSU also beat Alabama, and Tennessee beat them by 20 points. Um, and and again, Slade made a very good point. Alabama's two losses are by five points. That's it. Uh, and and or actually, it's four points. Um, and so I, I agree with him that that is a fair way to look at it. But the other way that they need to look at it is not only as Tennessee beat Alabama and I understand Tennessee's two losses weren't very pretty. They lost by, you know, I believe it's almost 50 points total between the two losses. Um, but when you have a clear head to head matchup like that, um, now I, right now, I don't think it matters at, at all. You can put Tennessee at sixth or Tennessee. At, you can flip flop Tennessee and Alabama all you want, but when it, if it, Worst comes to worst if it comes down to one of those two teams being able to get into the playoffs. Uh, I would absolutely argue Tennessee deserves to be in over Alabama just for those reasons. Um, but I've talked a lot here in the last few minutes. I'll let you
0: kind of give your uh, thoughts on the on the whole weekend. And that's all right. That's all right. Uh, so uh, my thoughts on the sixth spot. Um I tweeted this out. I don't think any team deserves to be six. Um when I think when I look at that top six ranking, I think like these are six teams that you could Put any combination of the six in them, and we would get, hopefully, should get good playoff matches. Um, I don't think, especially with, you know, if Hooker was still in Tennessee or still healthy for Tennessee, um, then I, Tennessee six all day. I put Tennessee six in my ranking. Um, But, you know, without Hooker, I just, I, I don't think that either Bama or Tennessee stands a chance against a Georgia, Michigan, even a TCU or USC. Um, so that's just my thought as, as far as the six goes. I, I again, I had Tennessee six. Um, I, I don't think that, yeah, Bama's losses are by five points or four points. Um, but you know, one big thing for me is like, everybody sits here and they like to throw out stats. Oh, well, this team only lost by this much, or this team beat this team by this much. I watch I watch game film. That's what I do. That's when I look and when I make, you know, my decisions, that's what I do. Okay. Well, you know Tennessee and Alabama might be close. Yeah, Tennessee beat Alabama, but when I watch them, I think Tennessee is the better team. Um, that's just how I do it. I understand. You know, it, the, who knows what the committee does exactly to, to figure this stuff out? Um, but that's just how how I do it. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't feel any team des- deserves to be at six, but somebody's got to be. If you want to throw Bama in there, you want to throw Tennessee in there. I mean, I wouldn't argue if you want to throw Penn State in there, other than the fact that I wouldn't agree with you, even as a Penn State fan. Um, but. Nonetheless, I could give two shits. I don't think it's going to matter come the end of next week. Um, with that being said, I have a very, very uh, intriguing feeling in my gut that one of those top four teams is going to lose. It's probably not going to be Georgia or Michigan, uh, so it's going to have to be TCU or USC. Um, but I, I just something's telling me Ohio State, by the grace of God or Satan or whoever you might want to blame it on, is going to squeak into a college football playoff. Um, and quite honestly i I don't feel good about them facing any of those top four teams um, maybe TCU I think they might match up pretty decently against TCU uh, but I, I don't know this is a TCU that every time somebody doubts them they seem to prove everybody wrong so we'll see we got a great week or great couple weeks of football coming up uh, but definitely leading up to a great weekend of football here
1: yeah um so as far as as if we're looking at the top four and it- and who I think is going to make the playoffs after this weekend. And we will talk more about this on Saturday on out of the tunnel. Um, I think Georgia and Michigan can both lose, and they're they're completely fine if they lose their conference championship game. I think no matter what, they still make it. If, if I were on the committee and TCU lost this weekend, I would still put them in the top four just because of the fact that they ran the table in the regular season, and their loss was a rematch loss from a team that they had previously beat. Uh, so I would still argue they deserve to be in. I know the committee is going to take them out if they lose. Um, if both them and USC lose, uh, you could argue Ohio State's going to get in, but then it's a two-loss Alabama team versus a one-loss TCU team. Uh, and you know that's what the committee is going to make it about. Um, but, yeah, if USC loses, they're, they're absolutely going to slide Ohio State back up into there. Uh, the committee is just praying this weekend that, for their sake, they want a Georgia-Michigan National Championship. They don't want to put that game in the semifinal again. Last year it worked out because there was a high profile team getting in uh, with Alabama. You got a Georgia Alabama rematch, and, and that's what they wanted. This year, you know, the committee wants Georgia Michigan in the national championship game. It's going to do the best viewers and all this other stuff. Um, and so the committee is just hoping that either both of them win or both of them lose. So they can just slide them back in and keep that match yeah. saved for the national championship game. Um, if they both lose, it'll be. Hilarious to see TCU be number one, though. Um, so th- there's a lot of people I've seen online panicking. There's so many nightmares, nightmare scenarios going on this week. I'm like, there's, there's really not. Uh, unless TCU gets blown out and, you know, USC loses, Alabama is not going to be able to get into the playoffs. They're not just going to magically leapfrog a one loss Ohio State team whose one loss is most likely to the Big Ten champion. Um, if I'm looking at Jordan and Michigan on their own, though, this week, I would say Michigan is a more likely to lose. Uh, Purdue gets the name Spoilermakers for a reason. Uh, we've seen them ruin many perfect seasons, uh, many good seasons. This is going to be their first ever trip to the Big Ten title game. Uh, I mean, they're not going there to lay down for anybody. I said last week on the show that it was Michigan or Michigan, Ohio State didn't matter versus Purdue was going to be the best matchup no matter what. Uh, and, and Purdue getting in, they bring a very good offense when they want to play like it. I think they'll play up to... Uh, Michigan's level, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, we're we're going to see Michigan's defense tested a lot, like it was in the first half with the Ohio State game. Uh, so I think it's going to be a very good game. Um, and if you yeah, remember, Aiden
0: O'Connell is easily one of the most accurate passers in the country, um, and he's overlooked because that Purdue team is pretty shaky, uh, especially on you know uh, Purdue's not bad by any means. I think their record doesn't necessarily reflects uh, how good of a team that they actually are. Um, but O'Connell is definitely one of the best passers uh, as far as accuracy goes. And mm-hmm. like you said, Mich- Michigan's definitely going to be tested. Uh, if you're Michigan, you're not going in there saying you're dropping a 100 on them. That's
1: for sure. No. Uh, I think Jim Parbono is better than that,
0: though. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, real quick, uh, so the other big news that we have not talked about as well uh, is that the Rose Bowl has officially signed their contract uh, to allow the college football playoff to expand to 12 teams in 2024, uh, that is in two years, uh, unlike my brain could fathom this morning. Um, and so in the spirit of that happening, um, so the way that the format is going to work that they have announced. So the first round of, of playoff games will be seeded five through 12. Um, and those games will be hosted at the higher seeds uh Home school or whatever location they want to choose. If they want to choose a neutral site, it'll be up to the higher seeds' uh, discretion. From there, they'll then be played at New Year's 6 bowl location. Um, and then the semifinals will also be in the New Year's 6 rotation as well. So, with that being said, there needs to be two bowl games added uh, to that rotation so that way they can host the quarterfinals and then the semifinals. Um, we know the New Year's Six already. It's the Fiesta, the Cotton Bowl, the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, and the Peach Bowl. Uh, and so our top five today in the spirit of the college football playoff expanding is what uh, ranking top five uh, bowls that we think will get added to that rotation to help uh, not only, you know, bigger saves or things like that, but you know also prestige and so on uh, to jump
0: into that rotation to add on as well. Um, Nick, you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. I would because I didn't put rankings on mine. I, w- I was like, I, yeah, I, I shouldn't knows, say rank so. one
1: through five, but yeah, uh, of, number five, I, I put the Texas Bowl, which is played in Houston. Uh, the reason I put this on here is just because it's an NFL stadium, it's a huge stadium, so obviously, you know, don't have to worry about seating capacity or anything like that. Um, but the only reason I have a five is just because it's not a very prestigious bowl, nobody cares about the Texas Bowl. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if they just add these on. It, just a stadium rotation saying, you know, hey, we're just going to go to Houston this year. Keep the Texas Bowl, but this is just, just going to be playing in Houston or, or so on. Um, number four, I put the LA Bowl. Uh, again, brand new stadium. I think they would love to have it there. Uh, the reason I have it so low is just because nobody knows what the LA Bowl is. It's actually a pretty new bowl, um, but they, they get to go play in the brand new state of the art stadium at SoFi. Uh, number three, I have the Las Vegas Bowl again. Brand new stadium, huge. Uh, they would love to have it there. The reason it's yeah. three is just, just because of the name. Uh, number two, I put the Alamo Bowl. Um, I think this this name carries a lot more weight than people realize, uh, and it's also a pretty big stadium in Texas. Uh, it's hard I, to forget. Think, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I think that's definitely be on the on the committee's consideration list. Uh, my number one pick, I actually went with the Citrus Bowl. Uh this is a New Year's Day bowl game every year. It always tends to be a great matchup between the Big Ten and the SEC. Uh this you know, been around. Winter gets a big bowl of oranges, uh just like the orange bowl, which
0: is I always thought was weird. Um yeah. but I'm not gonna say, lie, like two years ago I thought they were the same thing. So did I. Like I always <laughs> saw
1: these dudes like holding up a bowl of oranges. Like, yeah. Oh. Uh but just it's just citrus bowl. Um but again, a huge stadium uh in Orlando, so obviously you don't have to worry about the weather as much. Uh, you know. You can get rain, but you don't have to worry about snow or anything like that. Um, and so those are my top five. Uh, those are the five I think the committee should look at again, uh, unless they're just like, we're just going to pick random stadiums that host it at every year.
0: Uh, we shall wait and see. For sure. Uh, so uh, I, I didn't ring mine, but I'll say uh, number five here. Um, I also had the Las Vegas Bowl. I, I feel like that was kind of like a, a pretty given one. You're going to have, especially with playoff implications, why not have it in Vegas? Um, everybody's kind of jumping on that bandwagon, like, Hey, look, you know, we can put sports teams in the sports betting capital. Um, so whatever. I also had the Texas bowl, uh, same reasons, you know, it's a big enough stadium. It's got some prestige to it. Uh, for three, I have the Boca Raton bowl, uh, which is played in St. Petersburg. Um, I, I added it on here because first of all, uh, what you say, Boca Raton, anybody know, pretty much anybody knows what you're talking about. Um, I believe it, FAU stadium. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what the seating capacity is exactly, but I just thought it'd be dope. Uh, number two, I have the Dukes Mayo bowl. Um, it's kind of one of those, like, I feel like the bowl game itself isn't really that prestigious, but when you say the Dukes Mayo bowl, if you watch college football, you know what some, you know, if somebody says that to you, you know what they're talking about just because like, like Mayo. Um, but yeah, it's played in North Carolina. It's got plenty of seats for all the fans um and uh it's duke's mayo and last but not least um i didn't know what to put here i kind of wanted to throw something in there that wasn't uh, a lot of these games should be good warm fair weather games uh so i added the music city bowl uh played in nashville tennessee i think uh the only the reason i added that on there is because there's a little change up it's a little farther north um i guess it'd actually be pretty close to the duke's mayo bowl as far as uh north goes but nonetheless um, a little Nashville love, a little country music. Ain't nobody hate that, except people that don't like country music. Um, But I think that that would just be a cool thing. You know, they could probably do some stuff with some country music stars, make it, you know, make a little extra something. So I thought it'd be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I think the Music City Bowl is a good one uh, to put on there, as as well as the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Again, I feel like the last few years, especially ever since Duke's took that game over, they've invested heavily into the marketing for it, and it's become more and more of a household name every year uh, and a very prized matchup surprisingly
0: um isn't there like a whole thing on twitter for the past like two years yeah, uh
1: yeah the the winning coach just dunked in mayonnaise yes that's uh, what it is i couldn't uh, remember what it was yeah good, no, uh, it was good. but just real quick to look at your seating capacities so bank of america is 000, uh almost 75 500 uh fau stadium seats 30,000 uh oof i so. already right, have to scratch <laughs>
0: that one off the list
1: um Yeah, no, it'll be very interesting to see how they come up with this going forward. Like I said, if they're going to pick bowl games, add to this, uh, or are we just going to, you know, kind of slap, say, hey, you know, Vegas is going to host it every year, but they still get the Vegas Bowl or or whatever happens with that. Uh, So be interesting to see how the College Football Playoff Committee handles that going forward. Uh, We thank you guys very much for checking us out today and joining us for the show. Uh, Do not forget to come back Saturday morning, 830 a.m. for Out of the Tunnel Live. It will unfortunately be the last one of the regular season. Uh, We will still do another live stream for our swear jar sweat, uh, and also we'll most likely be back from the National Championship and things like that and do other live streams throughout the year. But last uh, dedicated I don't want to say dedicated, but last regular season, College Football 1. But of course, any scheduling going forward, we will let you guys know on our social medias, which is scrolling down below, so make sure you follow them as well. Uh, Other than that, I think think that's it. I think we'll see you Saturday. I love it. Slay so will not be here again uh, because his coworkers suck. Uh, but we will see you guys Saturday. Uh, have
0: a great rest of your day. For sure. See you guys.